Thanks for listening to this podcast at this moment. Continue to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on this show. It's greatly appreciated. And today, I would like to take a deeper look into the Federal Reserve and provide you all with a perspective on its history and explain the truths of the Fed that may not be politically correct. Now, in episode 19, I explained exactly what monetary policy is, which essentially uh, there are policies that are controlled by the Federal Reserve. I explained it to those briefly and kind of gave provided you all details of how monetary and physical policy is facilitated within our economy. But I'm going to explain briefly what the Federal Reserve is uh, for those that may be uh, learning about this for the very first time. Now, the Fed, they influence the growth of the money supply in the economy. Uh, the Federal Reserve is essentially our central bank of the United States. Uh, their purpose is to provide the country with a reliable and a stable financial monetary system. This is a, essentially what they teach us in the education system. Uh, they also are designed to expand the money supply, like I mentioned, and in order for them to do that, the Federal Reserve will loosen credit and lower interest rates. Uh, and they also, in our history books, tell us that the Federal Reserve is designed to stimulate the economy. Now, by tightening the money supply, the opposite occurs. So usually when the Federal Reserve loosens credit, uh, banks are more likely to issue loans and credit to individuals or businesses. A monetary policy is essentially the management of money supply and interest rates. Um, down at its roots, that's what the Fed does. Uh, whenever you hear those terms, monetary policy, that's their job. Uh, now, the purpose of this is to control inflation, consumption, growth, and liquidity. Uh, this is accomplished when the Federal Reserve modifies interest rates. Uh, they also will buy or sell government bonds. Uh, they will regulate foreign exchange rates and change the amount of money banks are required to have in their reserves. The Federal Reserve has a mandate to achieve maximum employment while keeping inflation in check. Uh, mainly their responsibility is to balance economic growth and inflation. So you have an understanding of how the Fed works. Now, uh, let's briefly go over the history. Uh, now, the Fed was first created back in 1913 um, it was signed into law by President uh, Woodrow Wilson, uh, which gave 12 Federal Reserve banks the ability to print money to ensure economic stability. Uh, those 12 banks are loco located in Boston, New York, Philly, Cleveland, Richmond, Atlanta, Chicago, St. Louis, Minneapolis, Kansas City, Dallas, and San Francisco. Throughout the history of the Fed, the central question is, should they control interest rates, which makes credit more easier to obtain, thus encouraging a stimulated economy and higher employment? However, this leads to inflation. On the other hand, the Fed can slow inflation by increasing interest rates, which play a role in the interest we pay on credit cards, loans, and even mortgages, which in result, it slows down the economy causing unemployment. Right now, the federal funds rate is around 0.10%. Uh, during the Federal Open Market Committee meeting 
back in June of 2021, the Fed maintained its target for the federal funds rate at a range of 0% to 25%. The Fed stated that in their meeting that they will continue with this target until inflation is at 2% for the long term. Inflation is currently at 5%, and they are willing to allow inflation to increase above 2% in the short term if necessary to achieve maximum employment. The Fed expects inflation to increase to 3.4% this year as the economy recovers and drops to 2.1% in 2022. Now, as you can see, inflation is currently above what they are expecting it to be at. So I definitely think that it, it really provides a concern of some of the policies that they're most likely are going to put in place to try to bring inflation back down. And a lot of people are, you know, some people are returning back to work, but there are a lot of people that aren't going back to work because they're still collecting unemployment. And in some people's eyes, they feel like depending on the line of work that they're doing, they can make more money from unemployment in comparison to having to commute and go to work. So right now, you know, even though the economy is reopening, uh, there isn't maximum employment right now. There's still a lot of companies that are hiring, that are needing people to come into work. And I definitely think we have some inflation concerns, but that was nothing that I'm surprised about. When you think about the amount of money that the government has printed this year and last year, uh, this is simply the result of the decisions that the government has made of just printing money at ease. And I, I think that, you know, with everything that we're seeing with gas prices going up, you know, grocery prices, uh, the price of lumber and, and different goods and services like that, uh, we will continue to see this because uh, this is just the way that economics works. Now, when it comes to the Federal Reserve, uh, a lot of people feel that it should be completely eliminated because of the inequality of how the money supply is distributed. In fact, Karen Patrol, uh, she's an author of a book called Engine of Inequality. She describes how monetary policies favor the rich, which I, I certainly agree with her after looking at the history. Um, throughout this episode, I'm going to go into some more details of how the Federal Reserve was created and, and why it was created to benefit the rich, to benefit the wealthy, and allow them to uh, be able to have more control and power. But in Karen's book, she describes that, you know, with the Federal Reserve and their monetary policies, they don't help the middle class or even the low income class of people. Her reasoning is that a majority of wealthy people have their money in the financial markets, such as stocks or bonds. A majority of the middle class, they have their wealth in their homes. However, often people that don't have much equity in their home is because they have a big mortgage. And low income and poor class people that fall into that category um, usually don't have any investable assets at all. So they're just trying to make it day to day. Um, as you can see, wealth isn't equally distributed. And Karen's viewpoint is that when the Fed uses their policies to stimulate the financial markets, it makes it tougher for those who are not invested in the market. So a lot of this is financial education as well. But I, I also think that these monetary policies are in favor of helping the people that have their money uh, in the financial markets and, and that, you know, are 
more well off when it comes to income. Now, as I discussed earlier, the, the Fed has interest rates low and inflation is high right now. Uh, like I mentioned, the federal funds rate right now is about 0.10% and inflation is around 5% right now. Now, this makes it more difficult for lower middle class income people to save because the value of their dollars decreases over time. The cost of living continues to be higher. And also, the Fed tends to bail out businesses and the financial markets when there is a crisis. And they don't allow the markets to correct themselves on their own. Most of the bailouts for financial assistance during the pandemic of 2020 went to companies that aren't sound businesses at all or also don't know how to properly allocate reserves and to have money put to the side to prepare for unexpected events such as the coronavirus that happened. Um, they mostly had debt and the Fed gave them a lifeline and this is why most people feel the Fed meddles too much because they don't allow the markets to discipline themselves and that can come back to bite a lot of people because we end up having higher taxes, we end up having higher inflation, and the the people that are living in this country have to end up dishing out more money over time uh, to the government's uh, incentives, the different packages that they create, whether it's an infrastructure plan, uh, you know, the Federal Reserve, they're, they're making money off of this hidden tax with inflation, and the banks are involved with this as well, which I'm going to explain exactly how the banks are profiting from this system as well. Now, I wanted to get into some of the truths of the Fed that may surprise you. Uh, a great book to read to understand how the Federal Reserve was formed and how it operates is called The Creature from Jekyll Island. A Second Look at the Federal Reserve by G. Edward Griffin. Uh, this is a very great book, and it really opened my eyes to the scam of what we see with the Federal Reserve, the government, the private banking system, and just really looking at all of the underlying themes of how it was created and who it was created for. And when I explain this information to you, it's going to surprise you a lot like it did myself but I, I also know that information is powerful. So I want to be able to provide this information of some of the highlights in the book so you can have an understanding of exactly how the Federal Reserve operates and not what they teach us in the school system. If you enjoy listening to podcasts like I do, you should probably think about creating one as well. Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show. Podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more within minutes of finishing your recording. Following the link in the show notes, let's Buzzsprout know we sent you. It also gives you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan and help support our show. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and the team of Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over a 1,100 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. 
let's create something great together. Now, in the book, Griffin describes that before the Federal Reserve Act was put in place in 1913, uh, there first was a meeting in November of 1910 on Jekyll Island, which is an island off the coast of Georgia, with some of the elite bankers and financiers constructed a plan to design the Federal Reserve System. Those men were Nelson Aldrich. He was a Republican senator. He also was part of a committee uh, that really played a role in bank reform. Uh, the other uh, individual was Henry Davison. Uh, he was a senior partner at J.P. Morgan. Uh, Frank Vanderlip, president of the National City Bank of New York, uh, which is now Citibank. Uh, Benjamin Strong, which is the vice president of Bankers Trust. And it was also uh, another gentleman there, Paul Warburg. Um, he was a board member of Wells Fargo, and he had a lot of he had a lot of knowledge, and he was very recognized for uh, just international finance and understanding the banking systems in Europe. In Europe, um, the last person that was in the meeting was J.P. Morgan. Of course, we all know who J.P. Morgan was. Um, he was an American banker for J.P. Morgan and Company, which is J.P. Morgan Chase now. And J.P. Morgan was known as uh, one of the most uh, knowledgeable uh, bankers uh, that really had a had a control of the banking system. He essentially had a monopoly on the banking system. And, and one way that he was able to do this is J.P. Morgan would essentially buy other businesses. He would reorganize them, make them more profitable and stable. And essentially, he would gain control. He would gain ownership. So that's kind of how J.P. Morgan came about and how he was able to really become one of the most wealthiest, uh, you know, individuals. Uh, now, these group of men represented one-fourth of the wealth in the entire world at that time. So it makes you question, you know, why were all of these most well-known elite bankers and financiers uh, why did they come together to develop the financial uh, monetary system that we have now with the Federal Reserve? Um, so I'm going to go into details and explain why. Now, the reason why these men, uh, now when these men met on Jekyll Island back in 1910, uh, they did it in secret and they didn't want anyone to know what they were up to. Uh, so that also shows that there, there definitely was something that they were hiding um, in fact, it was Nelson Aldrich who organized this meeting and explained to the rest of the group to come separately, one at a time, on his private train to Georgia. He also emphasized that if anyone asked where they were going, to say it was for a duck hunting trip, which is pretty funny to me. It was They wanted this information to be so disclosed that Aldrich told everyone that came uh, to this secret meeting that if anyone asked you, uh, this is simply a duck hunting trip. Now, it wasn't until the 1930s when these men agreed that there was actually a meeting that took place in 1910 to establish the Federal Reserve System. Up until that point, they completely denied it. Now, the purpose of this meeting was the intention of bank reform because at that time, people were losing their money because the banks were unable to hold their deposits. Um, they were unable to pay the people back. Now, Griffin makes valid points on what the Federal Reserve was actually created to do. The first point is that they act as a cartel. 
what he means by that is that these bankers and financiers came together to discuss a shared monopoly. And what a shared monopoly is, is you have independent companies or businesses that are working together to strategically eliminate competition amongst themselves so they can have more control in the marketplace. They can be more established in the marketplace. So their goal was to eliminate the competition among themselves so that they can have higher profit margins. One strategy that they would use to have higher profit margins is they would do price fixing or they would even divide their territory into different geographical uh, areas. So for example, two banking firms may say, I'm going to control the North and South while you control the West and the East. Now, essentially they will decide to share systems and processes so that they can have more control of the marketplace. Like I mentioned, Griffin highlights that it was a banking cartel that was actually formed from this meeting. And when you think about it, it, it really was. And, and their intention was not to stabilize the economy like the government government makes it out to be, but rather it was created to benefit the wealthy. Those that were the members of the Fed were the ones that came out the most with the most benefits. Now, another interesting point of how the Fed operates is they work in cadence with the government. The government borrows money from the public when they spend more in comparison to what they receive in taxes as income. So when Congress needs money, they will issue debt such as a treasury bond, a note, or even a bill. Uh, depending on the length of maturity, a bond has a maturity date of when it has to be paid back. So essentially bonds are debt instruments where the public provides money to the government in exchange of being paid back by the maturity date. When in reality, the government is taking your money and flipping it and they're making more for themselves. Also with inflation, the amount of money you loan to the government may not be the same amount you get back because your dollars are not worth the same over time. And you also have the concept of negative interest rates, where if the interest rate on that bond is very low um, or is it's just over time, you're going to end up paying more money back to the government that they actually give back to you. You're not going to get paid back the amount that you had at the beginning of this maturity for the bond. So that's why I don't agree with bonds, because they're debt instruments and, and they are really they operate to really benefit the government where you're really funding them to issue more debt and they just create this system where you're not you're not going to be more well off by providing money and providing this debt to the government because essentially they're taking that money and they're they're flipping it in their own way. Now when the government needs more money, they will go next to the Federal Reserve. So this is how the Federal Reserve comes into play. And they're able to get infinite amounts of the funds that they need from the Fed. Um, the Fed is able, able to write out whatever amounts they want. So if they come in asking for $1 billion, they're going to write out $1 billion out to the government. And, and this is the main benefit why the government works with the Fed. Keep in mind, the Federal Reserve is an independent entity. They work separately from the government, but the government has a shared interest. They, are, they work with the Fed. But these are two completely separate entities. Now, they also do not want the public to know 
that inflation, which is a hidden tax, is costing you anything. So what the Fed does is they control our interest rates. And when they are low like they are now, that leads to inflation, which could also be higher taxes that you pay back when to pay back their debt. Now, the purchasing power of your dollars are also de decreasing as well. Um, this has an impact on your savings. So that's why it's important to have a healthy balance between investable assets and emergency funds. Now, the banking system also profits from the Federal Reserve System. Because when the bank receives money from the public, they also issue your money out as debt. When we go to the bank, we are either depositing money, we're withdrawing it, or we are either, either borrowing credit. The reason banks are able to loan out money as credit is because they are using the funds that are deposited from the public. They issue that same money out as debt and they receive interest on it as well. This is how money is created. The banks profit from this because they use other people's money plus interest on credit that is issued out and they continue this revolving system by issuing debt constantly. So it's very interesting when you think about how the Federal Reserve was created and what their true intentions are, how the government is involved, and also how the private banking system is involved as well. Remember, when this group, when this meeting took place back in 1910, there were a lot of bankers there. There were a lot of players that had a lot of control within the banking system. Like I mentioned, uh, the city, uh, the National Bank of New York, you, you had, you know, people with Wells Fargo there. You had J.P. Morgan. So there were a lot of influential uh, large player banks that were here in this meeting. So and, and from the meeting, once everything got approved and passed, there were 12 Federal Reserve Banks that they spread it out into different geographical locations. So this is where the share monopoly comes into play. You know, you have these banks working alongside the Federal Reserve and a lot of the funds that they get as well comes from the Fed. You know, so it's it's very interesting. And, you know, this is the system, ladies and gentlemen. And I wanted to take this episode to provide you with some history as well as explain what the education system teaches us about the Federal Reserve and the difference of what they actually do. Um, because truth is power and you have to uh, empower yourself with information and understand how economics comes into play with our economy so you can be able to properly navigate and to put assets in place so that you're playing chess and not checkers. So hopefully you see some of the hidden truths that you may have not known before. Uh, what we can do as far as, as solutions is not play into the government, the private banking, or the Federal Reserve hands. Uh, we have to leverage debt for our advantage. Um, I wouldn't use debt to put yourself uh, in situations where it's going to hinder you. Um, don't use debt that's going to put you behind, such as large amounts of debt of you know credit cards that will keep you enslaved with interest. Instead, use debt to acquire more assets. That's what the wealthy people do. Honestly, that's what the government, the private banks, or any bank, and also the Federal Reserve does as well. Um, have a balance of savings and investments. Don't store all of your money in a savings account because you have to think of inflation, which is the hidden tax that many people don't think of. So you want to have hard assets such as real estate, gold, silver, you want to have a business, and then you also want to have 
uh, some paper assets such as stocks um, and then digital assets with cryptocurrencies. This will help you have more financial independence and have more control of your assets. So as always, thank you all so much for listening. Um, continue to subscribe to this this uh, channel on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whichever platform that you may be listening to. If you can rate and leave a review on this podcast, um, that's greatly appreciated. Um, continue to support my Patreon page um, where I create exclusive content uh, with finance, investing, and business. Um, I'll put all of my information in the show notes as, as well as the books that I mentioned throughout this episode. And thank you all for tuning in and take care.